On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football by previewing the OU Texas Tech game with Chris Level. Chris is the sideline reporter for the Red Raiders, so he's got a ton of great insight into that program. We also preview Oklahoma State's game against Texas in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss some of the big news in college football and preview some of the marquee games of the weekend. We give you our winners and losers of the week and wet the beak with the best matchup in the NFL this weekend, the Steelers at the Ravens. To finish up, we talk just a little bit of college basketball with the release of the Big 12 schedule and the release of the preseason All-Big 12 team in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Oh, man, my class, we will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. beautiful okay it's uh, depending on where you are it's it could still be miserable it may be beautiful it's a beautiful thursday october 29th and you're listening to the oklahoma breakdown with iker and layman presented by first fidelity bank first fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs checking accounts saving accounts home loans and much more they do it all whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone everything is stress-free with ffb making mobile deposits paying bills online and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier first fidelity bank provides free atms worldwide making banking convenient wherever you are they also give back to the community ffb donates a total of more than five hundred thousand dollars to local charities and educational foundations Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night, and we almost didn't. <laughs> we were going to, and then we weren't going to, and then we did. That's, that's how it worked. We, um, we were settled in here for a long, cold, dark night, and but we got home. We started you know, making some arrangements after I did my show and then boom, we weren't here five minutes before the light, the lights kicked on. It was awesome. You, Perfect timing. you sent me the text of our power just went out and I was like, Oh, like, like, <laughs> so we actually have power at my house, but the Cox cable and internet for like our entire neighborhood is it's gone roasted huh so shout out to my mother-in-law she's the best i am at her house <laughs> recording the podcast <laughs> so <laughs> so mother-in-law of the year uh, appreciate you laura uh, thank you for your service but uh positive vibes to everyone that still doesn't have power um to all the utility workers that are out there busting their asses. You talk about a thankless job. 
right now. Oh my gosh, those people are out there grinding and all people are doing are yelling at us. So, hey, be nice to the utility workers. Like uh, they didn't they didn't form the ice on all the lines. Like just just be nice. I mean, it's one of those things where you know, every now and then you're a utility worker and like this is what I'm saying is this is your Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like Oh, you're saying like those those people, they're like, when something like this happens, they're like, it's my time to shine. Here we Let's go. Let's lock in, baby. And then, you know, you got the guys coming in after a long day. They're in their, their work, and then you get the standing ovation and people picking up your tab and, and all those things, which people should. You see a, a group of uh, line workers out there stopping in for a lunch, pick up the tab, uh, buy them a round of uh, whatever it is that's that's going on there, and – and uh, take care of those guys because they're out there busting it in the cold weather for us. So, yeah, yeah no doubt. So, just just be nice to all the people at OG&E and your cable and internet companies and the natural gas people. Like, this sucks for everyone. Like, this is the worst. This is the worst I can remember. Like, it, this is awful. So, just be nice. I know it sucks, but be nice. All right, Ted, let's get – to the local college football, and that is brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Now, we've got Chris Level, who is the sideline reporter for Texas Tech, on with us to preview this matchup on Saturday. But first, the suspended. They are returning, right? So it, it sounds like Ramondre Stevenson, Trajan Bridges, sure thing. We're going to see those guys on Saturday. And you, sir, and you have made some waves locally with your comments on last episode. You're still feeling good about Ronnie Perkins on Saturday. We still feel good. We got, we, we got, oh no. I feel like that was a deep breath. Are, are we not feeling good? Come on. Tell me we're feeling good. We felt, I'm dragging everyone in this together with me. We felt great last week. We felt thumbs up. We're good. We're we're off. And then, oh no. Oh, I would say probably. When did we do Sundays? At about about fifteen hours after that episode, I I did not feel good at all. And in fact, I felt like uh, it's not happening. But then I felt a little bit better. And I, I honestly will tell you right now that they don't know if he's playing or not. Well, all right. So, so when Lincoln says that he doesn't have an update, they don't. I, I, don't, I don't think they know if he's going to play yet or not. I think it's going to be like a they're going to find out before they jump on the buses to go get on the plane. If then, may, they may not even know then. They may not know until right before game time. 
whether he can play or not. Huh. Well, that doesn't seem that significant. It's not like he's their best player on defense or anything. <laughs> and it makes it really hard because, you know, if he's going to play, he needs to get some, some good reps, right, and practice what the game plan is and know all the blitzes and know all his adjustments and what all he needs to do. But if he's not going to play, you need to give those other guys those reps. So it's really difficult to approach it because he's a game changer if he's able to play. Like, if he plays – he. If he's able to, if they give him the, him the thumbs up, he needs to be out there. So you want to have him ready. But at the same time, in order to do that, you have to chew into someone else's time. So. Well, there you have it, people. <laughs> There's your Ronnie Perkins update. Yeah. He may or may not. Who knows? We'll find out Saturday. I, it, that has been – and if you could just listen to the frustration from Lincoln Riley. It's like – they, the NCAA honestly has to be better about some of this stuff. And I know there's a bunch of schools out there that are dealing with a bunch of this type of stuff, and we aren't the only one. But my goodness, you've got to be straightforward with people and have some type of response to questions. You know, you, they, they've got to be able to prepare for football games. Oh, calm down, Teddy. Nah. Transparency is stupid. You know that. <laughs> Well, all right. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm fully anticipating Stevenson and Bridges playing snaps offensively, but Lincoln said it like he doesn't know any of the suspended guys' status. And I think he's telling people everything he knows, which is not the most comforting feeling because Lubbock, not the easiest place to play in the world. Halloween night, uh, but we'll see. At least this is something fun to right. look for before the game. Yeah. It's like it, it's like a game in itself almost. It's, it's like, fun. yes, or oh, my God, not again. Is he ever going to play again? Is he done? Uh, yeah, it's. I, it would be nice to have him out there in warm-ups with some good positive vibes before that game kicks off. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. But uh, I, don't look for any clarity because I don't think it's going to happen until – Literally the last minute. And it may Ooh. not even happen then. So it's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> if he's out there, it's going to be the adrenaline high of the year. Let's go. All right. Oh, you going to Lubbock on Saturday. Uh, so we had Chris Level on with us. And here's that interview. It is our pleasure to be joined by the host of Tech Talk on Double T 973 in Lubbock. He is also the sideline reporter for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Chris Level is in the house. And Chris, you have survived the Lubbock weather, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, we're both dealing with it, it sounds like. I mean, we got power outages and tree branches falling all over the place and ice and just a, it's a mess and uh, where you guys are at and where, where I'm at but uh, I think we we're on the other side uh, hopefully hey it's going to be sunny and 70 degrees for the game who would have thought that right uh, yeah it, you know the old saying if you don't like the weather you know it, it just hang around for a little bit it'll, it'll change yeah we had I think 90 degree day last week we're at 20 degree this week it's 70 on Saturday but that's just about how it goes but uh yeah I, I prefer the 70 much more than the 20 for sure yeah, I don't think uh, 
anyone in Lubbock or Norman or anywhere in between is overly thrilled with Mother Nature right <laughs> no. now. No. Now, Chris, let's get to it, man. Uh, a really nice win for the Red Raiders against a good West Virginia team that came to Lubbock last weekend. And let's start with the offense. Was, was it as simple as Henry Columbia gave this team a spark offensively? I think he, I think he did. Um, you know, this has been a weird dynamic around here because, uh, and you guys may remember this, but I mean, like, I, I, one of Allen's best games was against Oklahoma the two years ago here, mm-hmm. and and really his career maybe changed at the end of that first half when he re-injured that uh, that that punctured lung or, or collapsed lung, I guess it was, and and we really haven't seen the same Allen since then. Um, and but I would have just told you that for the last two or three years around here, we thought this was the future at that position was Allen. Just got to keep him healthy. And this year it just it, – it hadn't worked. It, there's been some spurts, you know, against Houston Baptist. There was a spurt against Texas where, I mean, this looks, looks pretty good. But Henry, when he's come in, he's just – he does. He kind of – he makes – the offense is just moving uh, more. Now it's not near as efficient around here – this year offensively, no matter who's playing quarterback as it's been in years past, which is maybe a bit of a problem. But yeah, Henry, he's got some juice. He's got some the the, the he's got the extended play part of it with his legs and he'll keep it on some of the zone read stuff. And and that's not something that, that Allen was doing. And uh, you know, I, I think that the main thing that maybe got Allen taken out and, and a change made is because there was just at least Henry was converting some first down. Like you're, you're, you're the offense is staying out there because at Iowa State, guys, I man, it was. I think they had 95 yards after three quarters of total offense, and that's just obviously you can't you can't beat anybody in this league doing that. But uh, but Henry, I think yeah, he, he he's he's doing well, and and I'd like to see more. Is he the future of this position here in Lubbock? I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet, but I mean, I, I liked what I've seen and I'd like to see more. He's just, he's somewhat limited and you can understand why he was at Utah State, not a highly recruited guy, but he's an older guy that, that's it's making some things happen right now. I'll tell you what I've seen, you know, watching that West Virginia game, whenever he, the offensive line gives him protection, I think he's accurate. I think he throws a good ball. I think he makes good decisions in the running game. He's, you know, not necessarily even the running game. In the off-schedule plays, whenever he does have to scramble, he's way more athletic than I thought. So, to me, it kind of looks like what's holding back that offense has been the offensive line. Obviously, you've got really good skill players, good running backs, um, good wide receivers, and I think a good quarterback – it looks like the offensive line is really the missing piece. I, I think that, that that was probably one of the biggest questions coming into the season was was mainly offensive tackle. You, you're replacing, you know, Terrence Steele, who's getting baptized right now, and, and for the Cowboys, he's trying to trying to put play for the for the Cowboys right now. And then Travis Bruffy was another guy that played a ton of football. You know, so you know the the two guards in the center are back from last year, but yeah, it's been inconsistent. I think that's fair. And they've played actually played quite a bit with a true freshman at left tackle last year. But, um, you know, just I, I think it's like one week maybe the offensive line plays a little bit, uh, you know, better than in other weeks. But some – like, I mean, at Iowa State, the running backs didn't do their part at all. That that was strange. But in, in Manhattan, Kansas, the running backs played great, namely Xavier White. 
you know, really stepped up. And, and, and Sir Roderick's had some really big games. And they're dealing with a ton of freshmen at wide out. I mean, you, you guys are, are, have got some of that going, too, with, with the Mims kid. But um, there's a ton of freshmen across the board uh, doing a lot of things at the skill spots, tight end and, and, and all that. But, yeah, Henry just uh, – I, I just think he's got a chance to be a good college player. You know, that, that's got um, – he doesn't have a super strong arm. I don't think he's got a ton of arm talent, you know, or things like that. Not not like Allen, but he just makes plays. And he plays mistake-free football, as you just mentioned a second ago, which was, was just been fun to watch. Chris, uh, what's going on with the wide receivers there in Tech? You mentioned that, that Matt's going with a lot of young guys, but they've got – Azukama, Vasher, uh, Keyshawn Carter, like they, they've got guys that have made plays, but it just seems like they're in and out of the lineup. Like, where are those guys health wise going into this game? Great question. I mean, er- Eric will play now. Keyshawn and Vasher, th- those may be just good old fashioned football injuries. Um, Ke- Keyshawn, I think, has been, you know, he's been. Shockingly, he was your best offensive player, I think, in general for for the first three games of the season. I don't think anybody around here was necessarily expecting that. He really emerged as a playmaker. He caught a touchdown at least one in the first three games um, and and was being very consistent with things. And then Vasher, he frustrates everybody around here. He's so – because when you look at – he's like a basketball player. He's like 6'5", red zone threat, you know, 50-50 ball, can throw it up to him. But it's just – it's like he, he'll he'll miss a game because he's suspended or, you know, uh, there was a – he missed most of all camp because of an academic issue in August. And so he's just kind of in and out of the lineup. And it, it and it's frustrating because he's he's got the measurables and talent to be a – you know, to play on Sundays. But I just don't know if he's ever going to get it figured out. I'm just being, you know, honest with you guys on, on that. TJ's a good kid, but he's just got to – stack good days on top of good days and he doesn't really do a good job of that at this point even though he's a senior I don't know if you'll see him uh on uh on Saturday or not so that has you know allowed a lot of these freshmen to come in and they they went heavy in this class and they liked their guys but I don't think anybody was expecting the Jalen Polks the Miles Price um, you know, guys like that to step in and Trey Cleveland, who's a redshirt freshman, caught a touchdown last week to have to stay in and play key roles. Now, uh, TJ and, and, uh, and Keyshawn will come back at some point, I think. I just don't know if it's – is it this week? Is it next week or whatever? And, then, you know, they've got – one's got a I – think, I think it's an, uh, an upper body injury. Fasher's deal is something different. So, good question. I mean, you know, and I'm – I'm, I'm curious. We get these, and, and then you have all the COVID stuff, and so we get these availability reports like 90 minutes before kickoff, and you're just going through your spotting board trying to figure, okay, who's playing, who's not, oh, trying to figure this Chris, out. At least you should, guys get them. You, you, oh, yeah, you, at least at least you get them, but you should see Teddy and Toby up in the booth with binoculars along with the spotter. Like that, They're just trying to figure off. out who's going to play. We have to figure it out ourselves who's playing and who's not. Well, so that's what they what they do here is that uh, that was kind of the deal they made, I guess, or the, their decision that they said the school did. Like ninety minutes before kick, we'll give the TV and the radio guys like who who is available. But our deal was we we don't really know is it is it because of the virus or is it because they're they're just hurt. We don't know that, but at least we know ninety minutes before kick who's 
who's going to be available and suit up and all those things. Because, yeah, that's one of my duties in the pregame. It's like, hey, do the injury report. Well, how the heck? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, so that's been tricky. Now it's the availability report. Uh, well, speaking of that, I heard you say something today with Toby that I thought was fascinating. It's not surprising, but just to hear you say it, it you know, it's just interesting. You know, everyone looked at that the Houston Baptist game, it was like, oh, my God, Tech, how in the world could that game be so close? You mentioned that defensively there was multiple guys that showed up, played that game that had not practiced with the team for more than two weeks. They had uh, – yeah, they had two starting DBs that um, had returned the day before. That that and so they they didn't play uh, a lot, uh, and but the, but they were asked to play some because you know you only have so many guys right, right that you trust, and so when you start seeing guys running free, I mean, and, and that Zappy kid for Houston Baptist is no joke. I mean, he's like one of those guys that he's going to be on an NFL roster, like you know, like trying to make it or at least get a tryout somewhere, uh, and, and and you're going against these these wideouts that he's got this chemistry with. And you just – lots of miscommunication. It was, it was a bit of a nightmare. I, I, I think, actually, the DB coach returned either the day of the game or the day before the game as well. So, he had been out of the – I mean, and so that, those were all things – and I'm, I'm being honest here. Those were all things I did not know until maybe uh, as the game was going on is when I was like, seriously? I mean, I, I just – we didn't know because you – you know, I don't know how right. you guys set up is, but we haven't been able to go to practices, and you can't you can't get over no, there and see anything. The yeah, you don't know. So, but yeah, nightmare. So, uh, speaking of that defense, Chris, uh, how do you think they're playing coming into this game? I, I saw some improvement in that West Virginia game for sure. Uh, when I look, let, let's start with the defensive line. Uh, I like what I've seen from the Jalen Hutchings kid. I think he's pretty active there and then of course that defensive line being led by Eli Howard he's he's a solid player but in, in that three-man front the defensive line's so important uh they got to play at a high level what what have you seen up front from them so far defensively I just uh we finished doing the coach Wells show tonight over at the arena and Eli Howard was actually a guest on there and he's actually I guess he had a big sack in the fourth quarter great kid I love that dude he's got his master's degree Mike and and so Wells is trying to talk him into coming back next year and getting his doctor, uh, doctorate. <laughs> I mean that's how long he's been in college. Is joking how many you know? But yeah, he he moved into like top ten in school history with the that sack in the fourth quarter of, of just all time sack list. Great kid. He just it was finally good to see him get home because it's like and we were talking about the the art of the pass rush, right? It's like you exert so much energy and everybody in the Big Twelve now has a mobile quarterback, and it's like there's just you're almost there, almost there, almost there. So it was a, it was a big play, you know. And, and to answer your question, I would say the defense has been giving this team a chance. Okay, there were times in the last decade where the defense just was, it it was just bad. Like any stop was to be celebrated. Any field goal attempt was to be celebrated, but I mean, they're, they're doing that fairly regularly now. And, and you know, they, they're scoring for their team now. I mean, like that, that's how you won the game last week. Is that McPherson with that scoop and score 
And so, you know, and, and they're, the, the, the poor performance at, at, at Iowa State was not the defense's fault at all. They just, when your offense is running tempo and it can't convert first downs, you're just putting those guys back out there, back out there, back out there. And that's just too much to ask in this league. But I, I like what he, Keith Patterson's doing. You, you mentioned Hutchings and, and, and Eli Howard. Uh, I, I think their linebackers are probably their strength. I mean, it's it's a Michigan State guy, it's an Arizona guy, it's a Duke guy. You've got your own guy, Rico Jeffers. It's fascinating how much they've just kind of changed their uh, their linebacking core after losing Jordan Brooks with just a bunch of transfers, and they got really old. And I think you had a trio of those guys with nine tackles each last week. But yeah, the defense is again, it's it's not. Th- there's still plenty of issues. They don't get to the quarterback near enough. They don't create enough takeaways but they're giving their team a chance on, on some Saturdays, certainly, which is a lot better than it's been. What's the, what's the temperature around there with Coach Wells? I know that uh, he came in with, with quite a bit of fanfare. I mean, he's he's highly respected coach around college football, and it's not an easy job out there. It's, it can be incredibly difficult to recruit, and, you know, there's, it's just a, a unique job. Are they – are they being patient? Are they starting to get antsy? What, what's it, how's it going? Yeah, there, there's some. Uh, there, there's probably that's probably split. I think there's two camps. There, there's the one that they're you're right. Hey, this is a weird year. Let's not take this year too seriously. Uh, but then, then there's some that are like, hey, man, we lost all these close games last year. Houston Baptist almost beat you. You, you. you screwed up against Texas at the end of the game. I mean, that that Texas game, man. That oh. that was. I, I don't know how to – I know how much you guys probably hate Texas, but around here, too, you, you don't be, get to beat them much, and you had them dead to rights. And if that game goes differently, I just think that you're probably asking – I'm probably answering this question completely differently. That was just – it was a chance to put some equity, you know, in, in the bank with the fan base and all that, and you're kind of – you know, you're, you're not sitting here at two and three because I, I, I think you probably play at Kansas State a little bit differently. Maybe even Iowa State a little bit differently if you'd have figured out a way to beat Texas that day. But that was such a gut punch. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's somewhat split. And, and part of it is this is no fault of, of Matt's, but he replaced such a popular guy. It didn't work. But, I mean, anybody seen the Arizona Cardinals record, you know, I mean, right now? That, that, that is that, – that adds a weird dynamic to, like, yeah, that makes Matt's it hurt. tenure. You know, yeah, because, I mean, the Cardinals are playing well and, and Cliff's doing good. It makes and, you and think so, as a fan that, well, we must have been just one year away, you know? In, in a way, yeah. I mean, it, it's just uh, – and there, there were some different things that went on. Um, but, you know, and we know what Mahomes is doing. So it's like, how how did you have the best quarterback in the NFL or one of them, and you and you just couldn't figure out how to win games? So it's just so much dynamic here in the past. But yeah, Matt's a good dude, man. I, I like him. I know how well respected he is, especially in that state, uh, too. They're 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 trying to recruit. They're trying to to utilize the the transfer market to rebuild the roster and get old. He's kind of taking a peerage out of Chris Beard's book with just some of those grad transfers and some of those key guys to kind of supplement you know, what, what, what you do from, from a roster standpoint, but I hope people will be patient. Uh, I don't know what the, the, the last five games are going to look like here, but they, they need to, you know, they need to try to get at least to, to be 500 just to kind of calm the, calm the waters here, you know, uh, certainly with the fans. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that you put it that way, Chris. And, and I talked to Matt quite a bit on my Sirius XM show and, 
any Texas Tech fans that don't like Matt Wells are idiots because <laughs> that guy is the man. And, and I do think, and Ted, you mentioned it, it's a tough place to win, but if you give Matt Wells time, I, I think he can do it. Now, Chris, before we let you run, man, what are some things in your mind that Tech can do in this game to make it interesting? Because uh, I know that Saturday night, Halloween in Lubbock, it's going to get weird in that stadium, <laughs> I assume. But what do you think the Red Raiders can do to make this one interesting? Because if we're being honest, Oklahoma's the more talented football team, but it, it can always get interesting in Lubbock. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see what they do following up on a win. You know, they, they've they've been so close. I mean, four games last year, one score, you know, losses. You know, the, the Texas game was what it was. The Kansas State game this year was a one-score game until two minutes left in the game. And they finally got them one where they got over the hump and got the result that they wanted. So I'm, kind of, I'm just kind of curious on the confidence part of this thing. How, how much confidence and swagger do they have coming into this game? It's kind of a free spin in the wheel. You're, I mean, you, you know, like you said, if it's oh, Oklahoma's kind of got things, uh, you know, back on track after dropping those two games. They won back-to-back games. But, you know, the expectation would be that Oklahoma would win this game. So I'm just kind of curious to see what Texas Tech does with the opportunity. As far as what, can, what they can do in this game, I, I'm – and, and so I'm, I'm curious how the team bounces back from, from a win and how they come into it. I'm really interested to see how Henry plays. D- d- does he continue to be this efficient, mistake-free guy? D- does he take a step forward? Does he take a step back? Because that's really going to dictate here where this thing goes because you're not beating Oklahoma, you know, unless you can, you know, get into the, the 30s from a point total standpoint. And – I don't know if this is just because of the COVID stuff, but it just seems like special teams have been wacky at all levels of football. I've seen more block kicks, more more goofiness with the special teams that, that have factored into games, almost to the point where it's like normal. And, and does, <laughs> does something like that, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the rice kick last week where it bounces off the goalpost four times, I'm like, of course, of course. I mean, welcome to 2020. So I, I just – that's been fascinating to me because, I mean, in that Texas game, prime example, both teams block a punt for a touchdown. I mean, you never see that, you know. And, and you go up to, to Ames, you block a field goal right out of the gate, you return it for a touchdown, and it didn't even matter. So I'm, I'm curious who wins that, the, the special teams battle, uh, because that's kind of been some of the differences in why Texas Tech is able to win – uh, that that game last week and why they lost some of these too, just these close games because, um, you know. So I, I, as far as what what you expect uh, to like, can they do? That's a good question. I mean, I, and, and I'm curious. I'll, I'll tell you this too: the the two running backs that left the game last week early, their their status would be in question this week too. And Sir Roderick Thompson and Xavier White. So if you have your full complement of running backs, I feel like you you can you can run the ball and you're going to have to to help Henry out. If not going to be tough because you're going to ask Henry to have to make some plays down the field. Probably not something he's necessarily comfortable with. Give us a final score. Let's assume that, that they're going to have their full complement of running backs. Give us that Ooh. final prediction. I, I would probably say something like Oklahoma 42-35. I, I think Tech will, will play a good game. It's always interesting. I know Lincoln was asked about that earlier this week. It's always closer and it's always competitive. It's always interesting, as you guys were touching on. Uh, but, but I, I, you know, I, I think it'll be Oklahoma will be tough to beat for Texas Tech. Because I, I, my concern is, can you score enough to beat them? 
Can yeah. you score enough points to, to, to beat them? So we'll see. Well, Chris, we'll see you on Saturday in Lubbock, man. Uh, what are you going to be dressed to as? A very uh, – it's a blackout, just so you're aware. Ooh. Uh, yeah, and so – but I'll, I'll be dressed as a very mediocre sideline reporter. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Great awesome, stuff, man. man. Hey, I really appreciate it, Chris. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. We'll see you Saturday. Hey, sounds good. Safe travels down here, man. You guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right. Yes, sir. All right, Ted. Now it's time to, oh, for one of the listeners, right, to call their shot. And Call Your Shot is brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And Ted, we have... Tyler Hicks at Boomer8390 calling his shot, and he says, running game keeps making progress, calling 200 yards on the ground. Huh. Okay. I like that. I mean, I, I think 200 yards is definitely attainable. I think, oh, gosh, are we averaging 150 a game or something like that? Um, I've got it right here. It's starting to come up, though, which is good. I think we're starting to get our, our run game moving a little bit. So I think that's definitely attainable. I think that's attainable. We are right now 148.4 yards a game. And I don't. I like Texas Tech as a all-around team. I think they're a decent all-around team, but we're definitely the better team. Offensive line, and I think you agree with this. Starting to get a little bit better, more physical. They're starting to finish guys and look like they're they're coming around a little bit. I think Pledger's getting more comfortable. If is, we'll hit 200 as long as Spencer Rattler does not try and keep it on any of the zone reads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's not forget, right, the return of Ramondre Stevenson. That's right. So it uh, looks like Tech giving up about 150 a game on the ground right now. So I I think that's a pretty good one from Tyler Hicks. Uh, well, we'll would see. you go over under? 200 or over under 150? 200. I, I think when you go on the road, you want to run the ball, right? And yeah. you got to factor in – you know, Rattler having a couple nice scrambles. I'd go I'd go over. I feel good about it. I, I feel like Ramondre Stevenson bursting onto the scene fresh in the legs. return. Yeah, fresh legs. Exactly. All right, one more piece of local college football news. Texas 
traveling to Stillwater to take on the number six Oklahoma State Cowboys. And this is the first game in a tough stretch for Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State's won seven of the last ten against Texas, which is impressive. Now, Texas has given them some trouble in Stillwater, but not in the last couple. Now, Teddy, flat out, I, I think Oklahoma State is the better football team. Uh, when I look at this game, I think they undoubtedly have the better defense, and I trust Chuba Hubbard and Oklahoma State to run the football more efficiently than I trust what Texas is doing right now offensively. And I, I don't want people to be fooled by what Texas's defense did against Baylor. Remember, Baylor missing a bunch of offensive linemen, some weird dynamics going into that game, right? and they had their COVID issues and everything. So I I don't think they got Baylor's best shot in that one. But I don't think Texas is going to play the run well in this one. I think Oklahoma State is going to be able to run the ball really efficiently. Now, there is the Sam Ellinger factor, Mm -hmm. right? And hate him or love him, the guy can make some games interesting. He is not an easy guy to defend, especially when he takes off in the running game. I do think Texas has some more guys, especially a guy like Joshua Moore, that can challenge Oklahoma State more vertically in the passing game. Uh, We didn't see that from Iowa State. I don't think Iowa State has that guy right now at wide receiver. But this should be a really fun football game. But I feel good about Oklahoma State at home against Texas. Texas has just been too inconsistent for me this season. I agree with that 100%. Um, You know, the win against Baylor was sound. It was boring. That's kind of what Texas really needed. It was a non-polarizing football game, and they got it. So it kind of calmed everything down around there. It seems like the distractions, they've put that fire out, at least for the time being. But I agree 100%. Texas's defense, as we've seen – all year, not just in the Oklahoma game, but in a bunch of games, they're not great against the run. And Oklahoma State has an absolute game breaker. They've got actually a couple of guys at the running back position that can take it the distance. So my guess is they're going to hit them for some big chunks in the running game. Texas is going to have to change the way they're calling plays. They're going to have to dedicate guys to the run. And we all know that leaves Tyler Wallace one-on-one. And they've also got the added dimension of of Sanders being able to pull it down and run, get outside the pocket, create some off-schedule plays. And then defensively, Oklahoma State, we saw what Oklahoma's defensive line did to to Texas. Whenever they were fresh, whenever they, you know, had, had a chance to stay off the field for extended periods, get a breather, they were all over Ellinger in the pocket. I think Oklahoma State can do the same thing. I really do. I think they can – they've got diff, like what we say four pass rushers that can come at you in waves from Oklahoma State, uh, especially whenever those guys are all out there together. So I think it'll be a tight game just because it seems like it always is in this series. But I think Oklahoma State wins it. it in your mind, is there any way Texas wins this game? I guess because I was trying to think of ways where I felt Texas may have an advantage – and other than Oklahoma State just turns the football over, right? Like they just drastically lose 
the turnover battle, that's really the only way I see it. Just because, I mean, Texas, they, they are what they are, especially offensively. Like, if you can, if you can slow down Ellinger, I, I don't think their run game's very good right now. And, and you mentioned, I don't think that offensive line is playing at nearly the level they anticipated them playing at. And, and they did some good things against Baylor. But I, the only way I see it is if Spencer Sanders just turns the football over and, you know, Chuba fumbles or something. Like, I can't imagine Texas wins this game unless they get several extra possessions in it. Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing is – Spencer Sanders played well again. This just in, turnovers are important in football games. Way to go. I just just cracked the code. How about that? That was big time. But you never thought about that. All right. Spencer Sanders will turn the football over. And Sam Ellinger typically does not turn the football over. So, you know, even Spencer Sanders, they got that win against Iowa State. You know, the one ball was tipped, but he still had two interceptions. So, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Texas could beat them by one, two, maybe if something crazy happens, three in the turnover game and have a chance to win that thing. I also think that, you know, while I like Oklahoma State's defense and I like the way they get after the the quarterback, I'm not totally convinced as of right now that they're great against some of the heavy running game stuff that, Texas can do with the quarterback power, quarterback sweep, and some of that stuff they like. So, I mean, I heavily favor Oklahoma State, but I, man, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Texas go in there and challenge them. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a lot of teams take Minnesota, maybe, for example, or, uh, or Iowa State, for example. A lot of teams, aren't used to being number six in the country and having people come in absolutely on fire to take down a top-ranked team. They're just not used to that. They're used to being able to sneak up on people and kind of have have that flipped around to where they're going to go in, they're going to upset top-ranked teams. It's a different animal whenever people are coming after you. So Texas is going to be, you know, fired up for maybe the first five minutes you know maybe it's all fake but you know they're going to do what they can to come in there play well win that football game and you know I don't know how prepared Oklahoma State is to get that type of effort from people week in week out yeah that that is an interesting part of it for Oklahoma State as they move forward in this season but should be a good one in Stillwater Uh, can't wait to see how that one turns out all right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. 
I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, a few pieces of college football news before we preview the best games of the weekend. Wisconsin, Nebraska is canceled. Wisconsin has paused all activities for at least a week because of 12 positive tests in the program. Those include head coach Paul Christ and QBs Graham Mertz and Chase Wolf. They have more tests pending, and it sounds like they may have an outbreak situation on their hands there in Madison. Clearly not good especially with the 21-day protocol the Big Ten has in place. Now, I talked to Heather Dinich, and she told me some interesting things, and there is a 10-day isolation. And then it it gets interesting for the Big Ten guys because you do your 10-day isolation, which is what everyone on the planet is doing, right? But then you can start doing some conditioning stuff once you're cleared by a cardiologist, and it's kind of – gray when you can return to the practice field like it's it it seems like while the protocol is in place there may be some details that are a bit lacking there but we'll see if that ends up getting adjusted I will not be surprised if the 21 day rule changes in the Big Ten especially with some of the stuff that's coming out from some of the research when it comes to how the coronavirus affects the hearts of athletes. Ross Dellinger had a really interesting piece out in Sports Illustrated about that. So we'll see, but just a reminder for everyone, Wisconsin, Nebraska, canceled, will not be made up. It's gone. Poof. Never to be seen again. That game ain't happening. And unfortunately, that means we will not get to see the starting debut of one Danny Vandenboom, which is an awesome name for a quarterback. And I was looking forward to that. But, uh, Ted, you and I have been saying it. This schedule felt like it was built to fail and, well, didn't take very long, man. Yeah, the Supreme Leaders, uh, the Chancellors got the exactly chancellors. what they wanted. Um, they set them up for failure. But I do – have a problem with Wisconsin and quite frankly any Big Ten team that has a coronavirus problem coming up they only had one positive for their first month of practice and testing per Barry Alvarez that's great but they should have done everything in their power to have 90 positive tests before they were playing football it all comes back to the layman theory for you, huh? I, I mean, as soon as they had any thought that maybe they were going to be able to get a season going at any point, they should have been trying <laughs> to <laughs> quietly get their players to test positive clear the virus and not have to test again for 90 days you're horrible that's what they should have been doing you're you're a monster layman i mean i i I really wonder what this means for their season right it's over just might be man 
what are you going to do? You're going to uh, forfeit three games in a row, and then I mean, so you have to play six games. I looked into it. The Big Ten said you have to play at least six games Unless, to qualify for to to be the division champion in the Big right. Ten. Which Unless I was like, no how the hell is that average? Work? Of, like, it has to be they all have to play an average of six games. If they don't all play an average of six games, you have to be within, I guess, two games or something like that to be eligible. But they also, it also said that I, at, at some point you have the option to stop competitive activities. So, I mean, here's the thing they've had 12 positives. And like, what is the. What is the contact tracing situation there? Is it 21 days? I I want to say yes. Now, I don't know, but if if the protocol is 21 it's gotta days. It's got to be at least 14, right? Yeah. It's got to be 14. And if they've all of a sudden had 12 positive tests, like what does that mean for their contact tracing situation? They may not be able to have practice for at least two weeks, maybe more than that. What's the big deal? They got plenty of time to make it up on the back end. Oh, wait. Just roll uh, out your four-string quarterback, Vandenboom, and, and let him go. It, it is unfortunate, though, because Graham Mertz looked awesome. He did. It was going to oh, be a fun year for Wisconsin, and now we'll see what happens. But it is not looking good for is, the Badgers. Gonna, you think this hits anyone else? It's got to be. I, I mean, we, we've seen it across all of college football. Uh, and I know they're doing the daily testing. They're trying their best. But, yeah, it's going to happen to another Big Ten team. There's no doubt. Can you explain to me why why they wouldn't want their guys to get it earlier? Teddy, because it, it, in my heart of hearts, I don't think these coaches want their kids to get a virus that even the smartest scientists on the planet don't seem to know a ton about. That's just my, that's my feeling. I know your theory. I know the way you feel and the way you feel it, it makes sense. I understand that, but coronavirus bad. That's the simplest way I could put it. It's, it's bad, so they don't want their kids to get it. I know what you mean, but I, I, I don't know what else to tell you, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this has affected Wisconsin. I know you were high on them this yeah. season. It stinks. They've, I mean, I feel horrible for those kids. Think of how miserable this, this whole thing has been. You've gone through all of this crap. You've been getting tested every day. You've been separated from everyone. It's just been horrible. You go out there and get a taste. You look great. Everything's fantastic. And then it's shut down, and maybe the entire season's going to be flushed after one game. Awful. Hate it for them. Awful. All right, another piece of news in the college football world. Uh, seems unlikely that we will see Mississippi State star running back Kylan Hill play again Uh, sounds like he's going to go ahead and just start prepping for the NFL draft and can't really blame him I mean remember early 
it seems so long ago when Mississippi State beat LSU and shredded them, <laughs> and he was just an unbelievable threat as a receiver out of the backfield. But, yeah, I, I don't blame the kid. Uh, Mississippi State sucks. They're not going anywhere. Might as well stay healthy, and he's been banged up, right? Yeah. So I'm sure he's had some people say, hey, you know what? You, you've put enough on film. Let's, uh, let's uh, keep as much tread off those tires as we can. And I think this is a smart decision for him. I really do. I mean, I've, I've honestly got no problem with it. He's really damn good. He is. He's fantastic. And I'll tell you what I think is interesting is how long is this leech experiment going to go? If everyone keeps like opting out, transferring away, uh, he's leaving the team, leaving the team. I mean, He's in. He's in. Uh, real. You know what? I just realized doing now. I know people watch the YouTube version of this, but doing the air quotes uh, in the podcast form not not a great strategy. Uh, well, I don't know that I agree with what you're saying there. Because I hit you with leaving the team with the air quotes. And you did do air quotes, but you also did the leaving the team. So and do I you think, think that's question. like a verbal air quote? Okay. That's dude. Thank that. What a compliment. Thanks, man. If you would have just said it normal, then okay, I get what you're saying. But you know, okay, you back basically to, said that in italics. I guess is the way to do it. You, you're, you're making me feel it. a lot better about it. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> All right, back but to the point is, I think Leach is finding out that it does, in fact, mean more in the SEC, and you can only act uh, funny and talk about Sasquatch so much before they say, uh, uh-huh, that's funny. When are we going to win some games? And I wonder how long this experiment's going to go on if they don't show some serious signs of the guys like wanting to continue on with that style of program, you know, it, it seems dicey already. Right? <laughs> it, <does. laughs> like it seems. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we talked about it, right. His style, his personality, you know, all the funny stuff he does. The SEC is a different world, man. Mm-hmm. It's a different world. It's it's going to be interesting. They better start winning some games. I'm just saying. I'm telling you, I may have to find a local radio station down there and just kind of, uh, you know, poke my head in there, see what it sounded like, see what the the locals down there, the Mississippi State fans are saying about Leach. That's not a bad idea at all. Okay, one more piece of college football news. T.J. Finley is going to start a quarterback for LSU against Auburn, or at least that's what it sounds like. Uh, according to Coach O, Miles Brennan isn't healthy enough to play, most likely. So we're going to see Finley, who looks spectacular in his first opportunity, and we'll see if that kid can keep it rolling. Now, Miles Brennan was good, and they've said he'll be the starter when he's healthy, but TJ Finley keeps playing like that. Uh, hard to keep a guy out, off the field that's playing that well, Ted. Production, man. It's all about production. And it's a bad thing if the coaching staff comes in and says, hey, you know, we have a bye week the following week, so we want you to get that extra. It's a two-for-one. It's just a two-for-one. Hey, we want you 100%. You always want, when you're the starting quarterback, you always want to hear, you know, like, hey, man, don't rush it. Don't rush it. <laughs> You know, TJ's got it. 
<laughs> you think Miles Brennan's like, um, okay. No, no, coach, I'm good. I swear to God, I'm good. Please. I'm fine. I'm fine. Let I can't play. feel my arm, but I'm fine. So I, I don't know. But LSU, I could see them being a team that, that keeps getting better. I know they got off to a really rough start, but we'll see. Uh, okay, Ted, let's look at some of the marquee games of the weekend. And uh, I wouldn't call this the greatest slate we've ever seen. There are a couple interesting ones. Georgia at Kentucky uh, could be a little more interesting than people may think. Memphis and Cincinnati should be good, but there's three games I, uh, I really wanted to look at. And the first one is the obvious headliner, but doesn't quite have the same sizzle that it would have had. And that is number three, Ohio state going to Penn state who is still ranked 18th. How about that? Penn State. Now, this game was supposed to be one of the biggest games all year in college football, and the Indiana Hoosiers had other ideas. So I know a lot of people are down on Penn State because of that loss to Indiana, but when you go back and look at it, and I rewatched that game, like they dominated the vast majority of that game, especially you look at it statistically. And you got to remember, if they just don't score, they win the game. <laughs> they, 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 they win the game with the ball in their so hands. That's funny to, to say. But I, it's I know, but it's, it's weird, but it's the truth. And I, I know Ohio State uh, pulled away from Nebraska in that second half, but it's not like Ohio State was perfect in that football game. And it was interesting, especially in that first half. And then Ohio State's talent and depth kind of took over, but – when you look at what Ohio State did in that game, they didn't run it particularly well in the opener with Sermon and Teague, but Justin Fields, he's, he's just that dude. He was under a lot more pressure than I anticipated him being, especially with that old line they've got, but he is that dude. But Penn State's defense is a lot better than Nebraska's. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. Now, when you look at Penn State offensively, I know they're down Journey Brown, right? Now Noah Kane is out for the year at that running back position. So they're going to have to turn to Devin Ford, who is the guy that shouldn't have scored. So we'll see. I'm not sure if Penn State can run it against Ohio State. Now, maybe Sean Clifford can do some things with his legs, and he's certainly capable of doing that. We just saw it. But... We'll see if it turns into a game that Sean Clifford has to win throwing the football. Uh, I'm not sure that that's a good, good recipe for Penn state and they've got them at home, but it's not the wide out. There's not going to be any fans. So I just think Ohio state is too talented, even though it sounds like Chris Olave's status is very much up in the air for this game. But uh, I still think Ohio state's just too much, man. No, I agree with everything that you said. I'm interested in, like, the mentality part of it, kind of. You know, Penn State, a little bit of humble pie, losing on the road to Indiana. And, you know, they should have won that game, but there were some mental mistakes down the stretch. And amazingly, they came up short. And teams can respond, you know, different ways to that. And we'll see how Penn State is. I mean, 
you feel like there's a lot of guys that kind of really buckle down and, you know, feel bad about, you know, losing the game and, and not playing well for their teammates. And they can show up the next week just absolutely on fire. In Ohio State, you know, you mentioned it. That game was closed for a decent amount of time before they separated. Do they have a false sense of security winning the way they did and Penn State losing to what – I know that Indiana's better than they've been, but it's still Indiana, and you look at them kind of as a whole, like, how oh, Indiana's never any good. You know, Penn State lost to them. There's no way they're good. And just maybe sleepwalk into that game a little bit. I don't know. I think the mindset of the two different teams – is really interesting. And we, we've talked about this with, with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma responds best in a big atmosphere on the road. Whenever you're going into the lion's den, right? Your senses are turned up, the adrenaline's going, and you are absolutely locked in for the football game. And I imagine it's the same way with Ohio State. Like you, you relish the moment as a team that's always ranked high going into those atmospheres and knowing everyone's all excited. They think they got a chance at you and you're going to just disappoint the whole world. I, I wonder what it's going to be like for them going into a big game that's a sleepy atmosphere. I don't know. I, those are just some things outside of the football that I think are interesting. Maybe none of that matters in Ohio State just out talents them and whips them up and down the football field, but I don't know, just the, the mentality side of this one kind of has me interested. Now, you were rolling, so I didn't want to interrupt you, but <laughs> the fact that you didn't drop, they're going into the Nittany Lions den, huh? <laughs> huh? huh? Pretty good. Yep, pretty, pretty good, good, right? But you, you were rolling, so I didn't want you've to got my in. You've got my permission anytime to just throw that in there. Just anytime I it. have a good dad pun, I will toss it in there don't don't you worry but listen this was when we looked at the big 10 schedule when it came out this was the game that everybody circled and it kind of sucks like i i was happy for indiana and we kind of called that uh, i'm not gonna lie we said to indiana they they were a frisky football team but it it kind of does suck that this game feels like it does not matter the way that we thought it was going to matter. And with everything going on in college football, I feel like we needed those games. And it yeah. kind of sucks that this one doesn't have that sizzle. Well, not to get sidetracked, but just real quickly, yes or no. Can Ohio State lose this game and still make the college football playoff this year? I would say yes, but... I, that's just because I think the Big Ten is going to have a representative if they can play games, if everyone yeah. doesn't get coronavirus. I think that's probably true, um, even though it's a shortened, different – they're starting with such a – I just think that conference has a lot of respect, too, and they, yeah, it should. It they, there's a lot of talented players. There's some really good teams. So I, I just think they've, they've got a certain amount of respect and that a lot of people, including myself – view it as the second best league after the SEC. So I, I think they could lose this one, still win the Big Ten, and definitely still get into the college football playoff. I agree. Yeah, but 
we'll see. It's still going to be fun. There's still going to be a ton of talent on the field. So I'm excited for that game, just not as excited as I would have been. Uh, another game, and I did not think this was going to be one that we discussed on this podcast when the season started. I, I'm not going to lie. I did not anticipate breaking down Kansas State at West Virginia. I did not think this one was really going to be on the radar, but it's really important for Oklahoma. Very important for Oklahoma. Number 16, Kansas State, going to Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers. And Teddy, we talk about it all the time. Vegas knows something because Kansas State is a three and a half point dog on the road in Morgantown, West Virginia. Yes, you heard me correctly. West Virginia is favored and they are coming off a loss against Texas Tech. <laughs> so, listen, I, maybe Vegas thinks that the defensive front led by the Stills brothers there for West Virginia is going to shut down any semblance of a running game from Kansas State. But when you really look at it, yeah, Deuce Vaughn does some good things running, but he is a weapon out of the backfield as a receiver. Now, Will Howard, he has been really responsible with the football uh, since Skylar Thompson's season-ending injury. And I've been impressed with this freshman. Uh, he's taken care of the ball, made good mistakes. Good mistakes. That doesn't even make sense. He's made it's good better decisions. better than a bad mistake. That's – hey, great point. That, that a way to look – I'm leaving this in. that if a way to get, look at the positive. Everyone's going to make mistakes, and if you make them, they need to be good ones, not bad ones. Yeah, well, his misses haven't been horrible misses. That's, that's a way to spin that and – prevent me from looking like a complete idiot but I've liked what I've seen from him so far and Kansas State is dominating the special teams phase of football shocker now why Kansas punted to Phillip Brooks again I don't know how Brooks is not related to the Lockets I don't know there's they, they have to be related somehow it, it's unbelievable but I just don't understand the line. Maybe it's Letty Brown because I, I do think he's damn good at running back for the Mountaineers, but I am not sold on Jarrett Dagey at quarterback. He has been too inconsistent for me. We've just seen more consistent football from Kansas State so far this season, and I know West Virginia, all they do is play close games, but Teddy, this Kansas State defense – it's about time we give them some respect. Like, that's a good group. I agree. I like them. The more I watch them play, the more I like them. Um, I think their defensive line is really good. I, uh, White Hubert gets all the credit, but I think 29 is playing really good too. Um, I think their backers are solid. They play a couple of different guys through there. Uh, and here's something amazing. They play base, Gabe, three linebackers, four defensive linemen, four Impossible. defensive backs. It's Impossible. unbelievable. I don't believe you. Even though I saw it with my own eyes against <laughs> Oklahoma, I don't believe you. People don't do that. It's they ridiculous. play base. I, I mean, they are really simple defensively, but it works for them. Their safeties are playing well. Um, they're not just going to blow you away, but they play good, sound defense. And offensively, they find a way to get it, do, get it done. I mean, it's 
you mentioned Vaughn out of the backfield. I mean, the guy is literally Darren Sproles reincarnated. It's the same person. It's the same guy. I'm totally convinced it's the same guy. Out of the backfield, making people miss. He's got breakaway speed. They'll hand it to him on some not necessarily gimmick running plays, but just different running plays that they try and isolate guys where he's got one-on-one, make a guy miss, and be out of the gate. So it's just – it's it's Kansas State. It's it's like we've gone back to the early 2000s with Kansas State. It's amazing. There is a play, and I actually posted it on Twitter. There's a play where Kansas – I mean, they make it bubble out to the corner, right? I mean, it's decent defense, and it's Deuce Vaughn one-on-one with the corner – and he jukes him so badly that the kid's great-grandfather felt it in the grave, I assume. Like, it was – I was just like, that's rude. That's just uncalled for. But he, he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. He that team's I, fun to watch. I agree. And I, I think this is going to be a close game because uh, I think Neil Brown, he, he's doing a good job there in Morgantown. I, I like Neil Brown. I like the way they're building. I just – I've seen more consistent football. From Kansas State, I, I've been waiting for them to fall off, and frankly, OU needs them to lose this game if I they know. want to get back into the I'm Big Twelve championship. Kansas State picture. to win it, but you know, Kansas State still over the last couple of years. Whenever you've said, "Hey, they're 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 this is the K State of old, where they don't make mistakes and they don't shoot themselves in the foot," but they always recently have come out with just these horrible football games where they look atrocious, they turn it over, they have bad penalties, and they lose. Maybe this is going to be that game, but until I see it, I'm rolling with Kansas State. Maybe they already got it out of their system earlier this year. Yeah, I feel you. That's that's an important game, though, in the Big 12 picture for a lot of teams. So we'll see. Uh, One more game, and I, I don't know if a lot of people care about this game, but I, think, I just think it's really interesting, especially with how both teams are playing. So Arkansas goes to College Station to take on number eight, Texas A&M. And Teddy, do Aggies fans have any reason to be worried? Any reason at all? Aggie, do Aggie fans? Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course they do. Man, I'll tell you, there's nothing I love more than a team – that is pissed off, that feels like they get no respect, and wants to win for their coach. Those are dangerous football teams, and that's Arkansas right now. And the Aggies have no clue how to handle success. They have no idea how to do that. So, yes, there's plenty of reasons for them to be worried in this game. So, even though A&M has won eight straight over Arkansas, you think they should still be worried and I'm going to agree with you because a little fun fact, did some digging. Five of the last six games between these two teams decided by a touchdown or less. Ooh. And this Arkansas team. That's in the worst stretch ever of Arkansas football. Exactly. This Arkansas team is not your typical Arkansas team. You mentioned it. These guys are playing for Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to put the frisky label on them. They're feeling frisky, Ted. And there's a lot of factors that go into this game for me. And 
I'm not sure it's not as simple as which quarterback plays better because we've seen Felipe Franks and Kellen Mond both put together some really nice performances this season. Now, uh, I expect Isaiah Spiller in that A&M running game to have more success on the ground than Rakeem Boyd. I know he's been banged up. We'll see what his status is, but the Traylon Smith kid also. We'll see how that Arkansas running game goes. But I I think A&M has an advantage in that aspect. But also, Arkansas's defense is legit, man. I've been watching them. They will hit you, and they got some dudes. I mean, they got several guys that have been SEC Defensive Player of the Week and the return of Bumper Pool, which is one of the best football names ever. He is on track. He's practicing this week. Uh, Leader of that defense, Bumper Pool, could be back in this one, Ted. So there's one interesting part about this game. I think a lot of people think that Arkansas, that they've got shitty players. They don't. In the grand scheme of things, like you look at that 24-7, you know, talent rating of the rosters or whatever the hell they call it, they're in like the top 25 or top 30 yeah, of everyone in the country. Like just because they're terrible in the SEC doesn't necessarily mean they don't have some decent talent. And I, I think that's why you see what you see for them defensively. I think they got some dudes, man. Yeah. I, they got some guys. They got some players. They've had some good transfers in to the program. And it's always different whenever the team believes in their coach, believes in their system, and buys in full sell to what's going on. And that, that's, what's, that's what's different with Arkansas right now. you got guys that want to go out there and play, feel like they're competitive, they feel like they've been cheated a couple of times, like they're not getting the respect that they deserve, not getting calls that they deserve, and their coach is mad about it and pissed off about it. And they show up and play, and it's, it's fun to watch them. I it used to I, be the laughingstock. <laughs> they've gone from laughingstock to a, a legit football team instantly and in a crappy year, in a crazy year. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned it. Like These are some dangerous dudes because – They've been getting made fun of for years. Yep. And they just they play kind of angry. They play like they've read everything that everyone said about them. I don't I don't know. If I was an AM fan, which I'm not, and thank God I'm not, I would not not be worried about this game. Right now, yeah. one thing, there's gonna be a ton of people in the stands there at Kyle Field. I think they're gonna right? have like fifty grand. So that should that should be a factor, but I can't wait to see how this game goes. I'm Arkansas, excited for they're it. They're going to be geeked to go in there and play in front of that many people. It's like Arkansas is like the kid you've been picking on in you know junior high, and then you show up to high school, and he's a six foot five, two 255-pound edge player. That's what Arkansas is right now, and people are like, whoa, what happened here? This team is huge and has some attitude. Got to love it. Are you saying Arkansas went through puberty? Am I, yes. am I getting – Okay, so I understood the analogy. Got it. Deep nice. voice and everything. Nice. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments, and let's start with our winners and losers of the week. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. 
They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers to get on the path to losing weight. Call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? Sooner fans, man. You get, uh, well, you they, get a They a win, win every week. What are you talking about? Come on, man. Right. Well, you, you get a win over TCU. Everything's looking good. Maybe your best performance of the week. And then Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Baker the AFC Player of the Week, Kyler Murray the NFC Player of the Week. Let's go. Has that ever happened before? You got I, two guys from the same school, Heisman Trophy winners, number one draft picks, players of the week for each conference in the same week. All those things, has that ever happened before? I'm going to go on a limb and say no. No, that's <laughs> I, right. I don't think Sooner fans, winners. Sooner fans, hey, Baker looked good. But, and I'm telling listen, you, that's the throw of his career, that one to win it. Right, I, I know that, but and I know that some people – are, are trying to make it more than it is about Odell Beckham Jr. going down, right? But I'm just going to call it how I see it. He looked like a better quarterback without him out there. Addition he, by subtraction? Is that what you're telling me? Well, and I know if you get one-on-one -on -one situations for Odell, like that's what you want, right? He's an elite player or has been in this league, but it just seems like Baker was going through his reads more. And maybe I could be reading too much into it, but maybe teams are just playing him differently without OBJ out there. But he was awfully sharp. And I know it's the Bengals, but he was awfully sharp. And let's say he was sharp, like what, 21 straight completions? Yeah, I think he had one incompletion, right? And it was Spike. him spiking it. <laughs> so. so are you telling me that? When when Odell's out there, that maybe Baker is subconsciously or consciously thinking, I've got to at least look his way because I don't want to listen to him bitch on the sideline whenever we come off the field. I so I've am, got to always pay attention to that, to the loudest mouth over there because I don't want to hear him chirping whenever we go over to the sideline. I, I have been around elite wide receivers. You have been around elite wide receivers and elite wide receivers tend to talk about their targets. That is a <laughs> phrase you hear a lot from elite wide receivers in the national football league. You will hear it on the practice field in the locker room on the practice field during practice on the practice field before practice on the practice field after practice on the game field for, for the game on the game field during the game on the game field on the sideline during the game. It's all about the targets. Like, that's it. It's all about You know how it works. So, yes, I, Odell, I, think, I targeted you, but I threw it to that guy. I was, I was targeting you, though. I think they will clearly miss him in those one-on-one -on -one situations, but it could be beneficial for Baker because now, instead of worrying about getting him the football, he can trust what he sees. I, it's just how I feel. And then Kyler is unbelievable. That, that game was unbelievable. That was crazy. I, and I'm telling you, that 
that DK Metcalf chase down play, the the first like six or eight steps that he takes, whenever you see him, he's he's coming across and he says, "Oh, I'm going to get him," and he puts his head down and I mean he is like he is going. That was awesome. I you love know, that. and it almost you, won him the game. Yeah, I in the end of that they got first zero of all, out of that. I've got. I've got several things to say about that game. Number one, DK Metcalf, that was unbelievable. You you saw the audio of Buda Baker after he was like, yes. How the fuck he catch me? <laughs> like he was like, What? <laughs> Buda Baker runs a low four four. And I, he I got bet whenever hauled. he watched that film, he's like, Oh my God. But uh, okay, so that and then since when is kicking a field goal on second down a thing? Why is this a thing? Is it Matt? Is it, is it some sabermetrics thing? I'm not aware of. Do the analytics nerds say to kick on second down? I don't get it. I was losing it again. I had a Texas Tech joke, but I'm just not gonna say it. So we'll let the people connect the dots. <laughs> I don't know, man. I it's a great football game, though. It was great. I, I'll tell you what's interesting, though. I. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm losing. Seattle's losing me. They're losing me. Russell Wilson, fantastic. But they got, dude, their defense is bad. It's the worst defense in the NFL. They are the last defense in the NFL right now. Would you, you rather have the Seahawks defense or the Cowboys defense if you had to choose? Between those two, I'd take the Seahawks. But between competitive teams that we're talking about win a championship, I'll take all of the other ones. So that's not good for them. They're going to continue to win games, but you know as well as I do. When you get into January, into the postseason, you've got to be able to play defense. You just have to. Yeah, we'll see. They added Carlos Dunlap, right, from Cincy. Traded for him. So we'll see if he uh, – I, I don't think he's the player he once was, but he's still serviceable. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But uh, Russell Wilson's awfully good. It was weird seeing him turn it over that many times. Um, who do you have as your loser of the week? My man, T. Rowe. T. Rowe. What? Been without power since like early, to, like 3 a.m. Tuesday morning. They have not had power. Since oh. the first thing, as soon as the storm came in, they were like, the, he lives in Piedmont. They were the first people to lose power. And they have not had power since it went out. Nothing. Feel horrible for the guy, man. That's that, miserable. Uh, now, uh, I think a lot of people listening to this probably have been going through something similar because – Loop dude, them in. Oklahoma City is – I've never Disaster seen Disaster zone? I, I've never seen it like this. Man, I – I, and I remember some bad ice storms. There was one when I was in college. Uh, there was one when I was a kid. But I've been doing way too much reading about this. But the difference with this one is it's so early in the year that all the trees still have their leaves. Yeah. So all the leaves have frozen as well. And the weight, it, dude, the trees in my neighborhood are wrecked. Yeah. I mean, wrecked. You've seen my house. You you know that my house. I I've got a bu- I, my my whole 
properties trees and there it's destroyed Camp, have you gotten have you, the chainsaw out destroyed? yet oh no i'm not even thinking about that right now that'll be a later day but no <clears> i mean <throat> i say t-row but that it's everyone you it's one of the things that we take for granted you go flip the light switch and it's on i mean when it's not it is just like it's horrible it's horrible it's feel awful. bad for everyone you you mentioned that uh our boy uh, i was doing tv i was doing coach's corner with plank earlier and he had to because he doesn't have power right uh he had to wash his hair in the sink at your guys radio station <laughs> i believe that's where uh, our man plank bathed today so yeah uh i know a lot of people out there uh, are probably dealing with that and it sucks it sucks so we'll get through it we're oklahomans it's what we do it's what we do poor plank if anyone can i mean plank can watch plank, plank can bathe in a sink i mean that's he's made for that he can do that He's a resilient man. He, I mean, when you do radio 24 hours a day, he's, he's bathed in a sink or two. It, yeah, <laughs> if he can do 18 hours straight of radio, he can bathe <laughs> in a sink. He'll be fine. Uh, Ted, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual in my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable box, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, my winner of the week and I, I, could, I couldn't help but laugh when I read this story because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. So my winner of the week, UCLA football players. Now, I know you may be going, what the hell are you talking about? UCLA is terrible, and I agree with you. Um, and this is not because they have been good. It's not because they've won games. It's not because Chip Kelly has turned the program around. He has not. This is all well documented. But these guys for UCLA, these football players, have been eaten good, Teddy. Really good. David Warden from the LA Times put an article out there. He also put uh, a, a tweet thread together, and I just couldn't stop reading it. UCLA football spent 5.4 million dollars last year on non-travel meals i'm going to repeat that ucla football spent 5.4 million dollars last year on non-travel meals to put that into perspective lsu who won the national championship last season spent 381,000 dollars last year in non-travel meals the other pac-12 schools who share that information so everyone but stanford and usc spent between three hundred and ninety-nine thousand and one point two million. reminder ucla spent 5.4 million 
and it is all the good stuff. Teddy, I'm talking steak. I'm talking brisket. I'm talking pork chops. But then they got a little more fancy. Ostrich burgers. Mm. Wild boar. I've had that. I mean, they even spent $40,000 to import five barbecue meals from a restaurant in Arizona. I mean, they were spending it like it was going out of the style. And I understand Chip Kelly. He's very into the nutrition stuff, right? He's a guy that is all about the sports science. But isn't this athletic program just hemorrhaging money? I wonder why. They're eating like kings, baby. I mean, I love this and hate this at the exact same time. Um all of the food sounds fantastic. By my calculations, if I'm saying there's 100 guys on the roster, they spend $150 per guy per day, 365 days a year on food. Hashtag that, math. That is absurd. And the fact that they spent 40 grand to bring in barbecue from Arizona. I've been to Arizona. I mean, the food in Arizona is fine, but the barbecue, barbecue is barbecue, right? I mean, almost everywhere. It's no, no, no. Come close. on. You know that Arizona is very well known for its barbecue. <laughs> That's what everyone talks about when they talk about Arizona. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows that. I mean, I got to tell you, it's, I, I, it's unfathomable. I don't even know. I, it, that's, that's insane to me. Okay, so I left off, purposely left off the most absurd item uh, from the rundown so that I could tell it to you straight to your face. <laughs> so they spent thousands of dollars on Hawaiian barbecue from a restaurant in Carson, California, which, hey, I love okay. Hawaiian barbecue, but this was the best one. They ordered... Hundreds of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from an L.A. caterer at $4.95 per sandwich. They paid someone to make them fucking peanut butter and jellies. I could get you go. I could I could have just slaughtered that bid and gone and got a ton of uncrustables. I would have done it for four fifty a pop easy. (laughs) <laughs> hey man you know what i don't know i guess that's the going rate for i, I don't know that i know california is expensive but damn five dollars for a pb and j it's like here you go guys here's a ton of bread here's a ton of peanut butter here's a ton of jelly do it yourself boys that's crazy. unreal i I'm love sure, that story though Oh, it's fantastic. I'm sure the locals there absolutely love to see that and read that in the paper. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure all our friends out in California took that well. <laughs> no one's struggling right now during a during oh, pandemic or anything. It's not a pandemic or wildfires or any of that stuff. No, it's cool. Yeah, $5 PB&J. It's just ridiculous. All right, my winner was UCLA football my loser of the week. Now, we do not talk a lot of baseball on here, but 
My loser of the week is the Rays manager, Kevin Cash. And it's hard to be the loser of the week when you have a badass name like Kevin Cash. I mean, it's hard. Now, I'm not going to pretend I'm a big baseball guy. I think it's well documented on this podcast that I am not. But I do feel like I know sports a little bit. And you do not pull a pitcher when he's dealing. You don't do it. I mean, what in the world was he thinking? And listen, Snell I was under- ripping it, man. Snell was ripping it to even the most novice baseball fan. Like even people that were watching baseball for the first time, if they understood the rules or you know, kind of barely understood the rules, even they were confused when Cash yeah. pulled Snell out of that game. And listen, I understand there's analytics, uh, the, the computers, all that stuff, and I understand that that's their, what their approach has been this season. But you got to use your damn eyes. Man, Blake Snell was dominating the Dodgers hitters. I mean, I mean nine strikeouts. You've got like an eight or nine point lead, run lead, but it's not like they had very, very big of a pad when they pulled him out. The most football guy thing you've ever done is called runs points. points. That was amazing. <laughs> I so, caught myself. <laughs> but he'd given up two hits and he had just given up a single, right? But he had only thrown 73 pitches and I don't give a shit what the analytics say. I, I, I don't care. I don't care if he's about to face the order for the third time. Dude, it, it, you, you leave that guy on the mound and you live with it. And I don't believe, I, I read this. The guy that he pulled Snell for had allowed a run in six straight relief appearances. And now it's seven, which happens to be a Major League Baseball record. Fun fact. Oof. So I, I have no idea how you can make that decision. I, I just don't, I, I don't get it, man. It's also... It's not game one or game two or game three. It's a winner go home. It's a winner go home. So, hey, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw the analytics and everything, and I think analytics are great, but you have to have a little bit of a feel for the game too, don't you? Yeah, I, I think I, – and I'm, I'm a big data guy, right? Uh, I, I believe in the analytics, but it's blending the analytics with your intuition – and trusting what your eyes see. And no one watching that baseball game went, you know what? I think it's time for Snell to come out. <laughs> like no one on the planet was thinking that. Blake Snell should have punched Kevin Cash right in the chest and said, get your ass back to the dugout and leave me alone. Like I, I have no Is idea. A- I couldn't believe it, man. Is it a bad thing whenever you pull your pitcher and the, all the other guys on the other squad are like, yeah, yes, yes. Not only did they do that, if you go back and look at the pictures of Blake Snell, like, of course he's disappointed. Like, he knows he's coming out of the game. But you can see kind of to the side, the first baseman from the race, and the look on his face, he's like, what, uh, what is happening? What are we doing? It, it's unbelievable, but – it, he had some command. He was like 97, 98, putting it anywhere he wanted. I mean, he was, he was money. 
He took him out for a guy that just gives up runs. I mean, that's what he does. I don't – I couldn't believe I, it. I watched, I watched the game uh, – I watched it all, but it, a lot of it was on fast forward. Um, but didn't he give up a run instantly? Like, it, like almost like – like Oh, the, the guy go- that came in for him? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gave up two. <laughs> And they were losing just like that. I think the guy's name was Anderson. I think it was like Nick Anderson. It was something very generic. Which I feel you bad like, for that guy. I mean, you know, I, it's. I don't. Uh, like, that guy's probably like, you know what? Uh, I've been trying to show you what I got, and you still chose to put me in. This isn't my fault. This is on you. Like, I, I was trying to think of like a football equivalent of it, and it, it was like pulling your starting quarterback like after the first series of the third quarter because he throws back-to-back incompletions and goes three and out or something. I I got one for you. The stupid minutes restriction that Zion Williamson had this year with New Orleans whenever he was playing really good basketball. And they had chances to win games, and he's just sitting over there on the bench. That was enraging. But, yeah, Kevin Cash, great name. Got your team to the World Series, but what a dumb decision. You're my loser of the week. All right, Ted, let's wet the beak. And wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all of your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new home. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, Visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. All right, so Thursday night football is Falcons. Panthers, gross. We're not doing that. Nope. Oh, maybe Christian McCaffrey, though. He's maybe coming back, fantasy owners. Be ready. We're still not doing it, even though I love Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) And I love, I love Matt Rule there in, in Carolina. But... Ted, let's wet the beak with the best game this Sunday. And that is the Steelers at the Ravens. Steelers. Little run game. (laughs) Steelers 6-0. Ravens 5-1. Clearly big implications in this one. Uh, Big in that AFC North race, which is heating up with the Browns playing well. But also you have to assume... What, along with the Chiefs, and I guess you could throw the Titans in there too. I mean, these teams are in contention for that very coveted number one overall seed in the AFC. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. This, this game between these two teams is always physical as hell. I wouldn't be surprised if this one was a little low scoring. And the Steelers coming off that big win, right? Hard-fought game against the Titans. The Ravens coming off a bye. 
So they had two weeks to get ready for this one, and it feels like a big advantage, right? And Lamar Jackson in this Ravens offense, I, I wouldn't say they've been firing on all cylinders right now. Sounds like they got some serious extra work during the bye. So I'm really interested to see how that Steelers defense plays in this one because I, I think they're the best defense in the NFL, I think they're leading the league in sacks, and I, I can't wait for this game. Uh, some interesting additions for the Ravens. They traded uh, for Yannick Ngakwe, so that dude will be coming off the edge, and you talk about a specimen. And also, they signed our old buddy Des Bryant to the practice squad. How about that? Oof. I don't know. Is that a good thing? I'm not necessarily sure. As long as he's on the practice squad, it probably doesn't matter. But I, it's actually good to see Dez out there. The league is better low. when Dez is in the league throwing up the X. I don't care if it's on a practice squad, but I, I think I mean Harbaugh basically said, hey, we kind of just want to see what he's got. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that's a bad approach, but the Ravens defense probably really, really excited uh, for the challenge that Big Ben and James Conner and that wide receiver core, which it seems like the Pittsburgh Steelers do nothing but draft good wide receivers. I mean, it's ridiculous. But you look at the line, Baltimore, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And I'm leaning Baltimore's way simply because they're coming off the bye is that stupid? Because you know how much I like the Steelers at this point in the season. Like, that's a damn good football team. Offensively, defensively, good special teams. Am, am I buying into the bye week too much? Yeah, you are. You are. Well, uh, fine. Then we disagree. <laughs> Don't overthink this one. Number one defense in the NFL yards per game. Number one defense in sacks. Don't overthink this. Let the defensive line go to work. Okay, that's what's going to happen here. Now, Big Ben, uh, there is a chance from time to time for him to throw you right back uh, into a tough football game like he did against the Titans. They had that thing won, and he's decided to start throwing horrible interceptions. So you do have to look out for that, but let the defense go. Let that D-line go to work. They're going to be just fine. Steelers are going to win this thing by a touchdown. Hmm. By a touchdown? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm going with the Ravens. I'm sticking to it. It was my gut feeling. I think they've had two weeks to work on it. I don't feel great about it, though. <laughs> if you lay it out there, when you, when you throw some numbers at me, I don't feel great about it. But we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be a great game. And here's the one thing that you do worry about whenever you have a really good pass rush. If you're getting to the quarterback, if you're being aggressive getting there, you're always leaving yourself open, susceptible for the scramble, right? That, That he's going to tuck out of there, avoid a guy, and then he's going to be off and running. So I would look out for that. I would look out for Lamar Jackson maybe to make some things happen with his legs, but give me the, I'm rolling with the defense all day. You mentioned that. I I just, there's been something a little off 
with the Ravens running game, a little off with Lamar Jackson in the passing game. For some reason, I, and I know it sounds stupid because they're playing the best defense in the league, I feel like that may get back on track. I feel like that Ravens offense, that, that thing may be humming in this one. We'll see. You got the Steelers. I'll take the Ravens. We'll see, buddy. We'll see. We'll talk okay. about this next episode. Let's do it. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everybody's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma, and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools are reopening in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Okay. The Big 12 basketball schedule is out. And so is the preseason All-Big 12 team. Now... Before we go down this road, because we can talk about like what you're supposed to do with your tree limbs or something like that instead. We can, we can dive into something like that, <laughs> Teddy, if you want. But is it too early to even mention college basketball? Because you talk about something sneaking up on you. That, that came out, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's not time for that. Basketball just ended like two weeks ago. There's, there's no way it's time for that yet. It is quick, but it also feels like one of the last things I watched in college basketball was Austin Reeves beat TCU. And according to my calculations, that was seven and a half years ago. So maybe it is time for college basketball. Hey. Remember when the NCAA tournament got canceled? That was crazy, right? Who uh, there was a great uh, Oklahoma State played someone in the Big Twelve tournament. Who was it? Like the opening night, the the early game. The I blocked game. that. I was blocked Texas? that. I blocked it all out of my memory. It was a great game, and then it was all over after that. That was it. Yeah. Okay. So a few things about the Big Twelve basketball schedule and the preseason All Big Twelve team. Austin Reeves. Yeah, that Austin Reeves. Named preseason All-Big 12. So uh, this is a kid that didn't shoot the three particularly well last year, which was shocking, which was shocking. But he did show some flashes, started taking it to the rack a lot more late in the year, and uh, I think showed some potential. But also... Cade Cunningham time, Ted. Cade Cunningham, named preseason All-Big 12 and named preseason Freshman of the Year. Number one recruit in the country, the whole thing. I can't wait to watch this kid. I'm so glad he's stuck with Oklahoma State. I don't even care about the postseason ban. It's stupid anyways. I can't wait to watch this kid bowl. Let me tell you how old I am. And trust me, this is going somewhere. I can remember whenever girls' high school basketball, 
played six on six. Three, three versus three on one end. They had to pass it down to the offense on the other end. Did you ever see that played? Hell no, I didn't see that played. <laughs> I, okay, so that's how old I am. The reason I bring that up, did I miss something because of the coronavirus and like they don't want people contacting each, each other? Are we playing six versus six? Why are they naming six guys to the preseason all Big 12 team? There's five players in basketball. I don't know. I saw it and I was like, I mean, okay, I guess I, I, my only thought was like, hey, the sixth man on a team is usually really important. Okay. So they did six. Like that's, that's the only thing I could think of. But, and it wouldn't make sense to be like preseason sixth man of the year. Like that wouldn't make any sense. But uh, so that no, was I, get, I get your complaint. The next thing is I can understand giving Cade Cunningham the preseason freshman of the year. But can you name a guy to the all big 12 team who's never played one minute of basketball, college basketball? Uh, my short answer is uh, hell. Yeah, you can. Have you seen the kid? <laughs> I have because I've seen I mean, him play. I've live streamed. Did you see Mike Boynton live streamed? their entire first practice. Like, you could watch the whole thing. And guess what? I, you know what? I did hear that. I didn't. Watch I watched it. a little bit of it, and I saw Cade Cunningham. I was like, my God, he looks magnificent. We got to get you a hobby. I can't I, allow. I know, man. <laughs> We're, let's edit that out. I don't want anyone to know that you I live refuse. basketball practice. <laughs> I refuse. Uh, no, but that that is interesting. That's good stuff. Is Austin Reeves one of the, the top six players in the Big 12? No. That's but he's going I, to be very important for Oklahoma. Maybe that's what, like, I don't think, so maybe from a corner, okay, this is how it could play out. I think he'll probably, when you just look at points per game and conference play, he could definitely be in the top six if you look at it from that standpoint. Yeah. But is he one of the six best players in what a lot of people consider to be the best conference in all of college basketball? I don't think so. I didn't either. That's why I, was, I hope he is, though, because that'd be great too. for Oklahoma. And I honestly don't know, but I, I, I will be honest. I was a bit shocked by that. But uh, T. Rowe, who knows way more about basketball, specifically OU basketball, told me that this team has a chance to be really good. So I'm, I'm anxious. I'm anxious to see what, what goes on here. Now, uh, this is what I call the Cade Cunningham effect. So the, I, I was looking at the schedule, and I just had my eye on big Monday games. That's kind of the big deal, right, in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. OU will play on big Monday once, February 1st at Texas Tech. Oklahoma State, big Monday three times. Wow. West Virginia, January 4th. And then they'll play Iowa State on the road and Kansas on the road, both Big Monday. So they get three, and Oklahoma only gets one. That is what you call the Cunningham effect, Ted. Yeah, that's fantastic. Sorry that they're not going to be playing in the postseason. And I still think that whole thing is a joke. It's ridiculous. Especially 
whenever Kansas, of all places, of all the crap that's gone on there, they got them dead to rights, right? They, they, they know that they, there was misdealings going on, and they still haven't given them anything yet. They lawyered up. They did. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, nope, we're going we're gonna to fight this to the bitter end. And that's what Oklahoma State gets for cooperating. Right, exactly. Still the stupid. I, I, I will say this. I know I'm an OU guy. I love Mike Boynton. And the way he responded to that whole thing was perfect. I thought he was great in the response to that whole thing. And they need to, they need to make that right. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's just a, yet another exhibit as to why I would suck as a coach because I would not have the same response. I would be screaming and throwing stuff and making an idiot out of myself. No way. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, I'm fired up about college basketball, but this is probably going to be the last time we talk about it for a while. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay, good. <laughs> Episode 55 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you do always, Oklahoma. Dang it, I messed it up again. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.